The following episode of the 9pm edict is number 2, in a series of specials, that will eventually number more than 3, so, 4, or maybe even 5. This episode contains strong language, and disturbing sexual imagery. Please keep a mop and bucket, close at hand. Sunday, the 6th of September 2015, finally someone understands the internet. The internet is like a giant weird orgy where like everything gets shared. Prime Minister Crusader Rabbit demonstrates his compassion towards Syrian refugees. We don't want to have a detention centre-led economy. And the Rabbit's words at the launch of the Australian Border Force back in July turn out to have been remarkably prescient. May God bless the country. You are helping to protect. Yes, God help Australia. This is the 9pm clumsily worded press release. Well, hello and happy Sunday. May your day have been free of dead four-year-olds lying face down on the beach. Still, they're shunting trains full of desperate people around Europe and Nazis, actual Nazis, have gathered in Dortmund main railway station in Germany. So that's Europe working out as planned. Just over a week ago, on the Friday before last, something dumb happened in Melbourne, and it didn't involve coffee. I've been wondering whether to talk about this or not, because so many other nasty things have started happening, both in Australia and around the world. But, you know, this was the biggest news story in Australia last week, and even this weekend there's still been some nuances emerging. So here we go. Here's how Peter Lloyd introduced the story on ABC Radio's PM on the Friday night in question. It's over before it even began. Tonight, newly sworn officers from the Australian Border Force were to take to the streets of central Melbourne with Victoria Police and other agencies in what was to be called Operation Fortitude. And this is how Operation Fortitude was described in the Border Force's own press release. ABF officers will be positioned at various locations around the CBD speaking with any individual we cross paths with. You need to be aware of the conditions of your visa. If you commit visa fraud, you should know it's only a matter of time before you're caught out. Now add to that the fact that Border Force uniforms are... New, full-length, dark-coloured uniforms. And that Border Force officers are... Carrying guns. And more than a few people thought that, well, the new power military border guards were going to be doing random stops and papers, please, in the city. I mean, that's what it sounds like, right? I think this protester recorded by the ABC got that impression. I find the idea of people going around on the street checking people's papers, frankly, Orwellian. And I haven't protested for over 20 years. I'm working today and I thought I can't not go out and say something. It's just not how we do things in Australia. No, it's not how we do things in Australia, which is why a couple hundred angry protesters turned out. And it's why Border Force soon issued a clarifying statement. To be clear, the ABF does not and will not stop people at random in the streets. This is not a new activity. Immigration officers regularly conducted compliance activity to locate and detain individuals residing in Australia illegally in the past. And the ABF is continuing this work. The ABF does not target on the basis of race, religion or ethnicity. Now I'll come back 
that statement. But first, uh, the continuing government chaos. A press conference with all the agencies involved was set for two o'clock this afternoon. At first, it was delayed and then cancelled altogether. In fact, the entire exercise of Operation Fortitude was called off. Victoria's Police Minister Wade Noonan issued a statement saying it had been intended as a standard police operation. He said he supported the decision by Victoria Police to cancel it after the unfortunate and inappropriate characterisation by Australian Border Force. So we have a right royal custard duck here, don't we, boys and girls? Did the Minister responsible, the Cabbage for Immigration and Border Protection, help sort it out? The Immigration Minister Peter Dutton has refused PM's request for an interview saying it's an operational matter. A spokesman says it was a Victoria police operation and the cancellation a matter for the police. He says Australian Border Force was one of seven other agencies involved Yeah, it wasn't us. Go talk to those other people. Yeah, I see. Well, eventually the head of Border Force, Commissioner Roman Quedvlig, was wheeled out to front the media. The Australian Border Force's uh, misunderstood role in the conduct of a Victorian police-led operation, Operation Fortitude. Operation Fortitude is an operation that was established by the Victorian police in order to create a safe city environment within Melbourne. The Australian Border Force is a secondary but supporting uh, assist to that operation. Our role always was, and still is into the future, a supporting role. In terms of immigration compliance, the Australian Border Force will stand by to receive referrals from the Victorian Police where there are any immigration compliance issues to be enforced or dealt with. Uh, There was never any intent for the Australian Border Force to proactively go out and uh, seek immigration uh, breaches out in Melbourne City. I'm happy to take questions. That's not what your statement said, because of course you said that uh, ABF officers will be positioned at various locations around the CBD, speaking with any individual we cross paths with. Now that, that sounds rather menacing, doesn't it? It does, um, and uh, that was a press release that was uh, cleared at a low level in the organisation. Um, it was, in my description, clumsily worded. Um, It uh, portrayed a role which was not the agreed role between ourselves and the Victorian Police and um, internal measures have been taken to remediate that issue. It's not just clumsily worded, it's actually uh, not uh, within the law, is that right? No, well I think it's um, uh, it's misunderstood. Taken into context, um, it makes absolute perfect legitimate sense, but uh, read through the layperson's eyes, which I absolutely openly acknowledge, it's clumsily worded and it's been misconstrued and it shouldn't have been worded that way. What bullshit? I mean, what is there... To misconstrue about speaking with any individual we cross paths with. And isn't it the mark of a great leader that when something goes wrong, he blames his junior? And isn't it the mark of a great government minister who dives for cover at the first sign of trouble? Yeah, good one, Cabbage Boy. you got to love these guys, don't you? I mean, they're all command and control when things are going right. But if things go wrong, yeah, we'll find some scapegoat to dump on. As Labor's immigration spokesperson uh, Richard Marles put it... It's not good enough to have a minister who's happy to get out on the good days and beat his chest, uh, but on a difficult day goes into hiding. 
Well, since then, there's been the amusing game of guessing who did and did not see that press release before it went out. And in recent days, there's been some delightful feature articles explaining how the Australian Border Force seems to be the creation of a bunch of bureaucrats with a thing for uniforms and authoritarianism, and even a scathing editorial in the New York Times slamming Australia's brutal treatment, yes, their words, brutal treatment of migrants. Now, of course, at the moment, most of Europe is opening its doors to refugees. But in Australia, we intercept them at sea, send them to concentration camps and make it a crime for anyone to report on how they're abused. (laughs) Doesn't it make you proud to be an Australian? Now, there's going to be an inquiry into how the Border Force hattery happened. So there's more of this story to come. But here are my thoughts so far. There's always been joint operations by police and immigration. Uh, The police raid a brothel, say, and if there's any doubt about someone's ID or visa status, well, there'd be an immigration officer at hand to look up their details on the system. Now, if that's all Border Force was doing, well, that's not a problem. Although, why you'd actually need Border Force there is, is a bit weird because the police just need a person's ID and now they can look it up in a database called uh, Vivo themselves. They just, uh, even employers have access to Vivo to check someone's visa status before giving them a job. But of course, this whole Operation Fortitude wasn't just that, was it? No, this was Border Force's first operation as the new uniformed armed paramilitary force. This was a photo op for the media, wasn't it? This was something from the list of, quote, national security-related things that could be announced weekly, unquote. The glorious artefact of the rabbit's determination to turn everything between now and the next election into part of his transformation into the wartime leader that his dreams tell him he is. In other words, it's more cynical bullshit. Which brings me to what I think the real issue is here. If this was, and it was, the first outing by a new and controversial organisation, and it's part of the PM's re-election strategy, well, wouldn't you want to make sure it went off okay? I mean, wouldn't the people in charge just kind of hang around to keep an eye on things, especially to keep an eye on how it was going to portray it in the media, so you would keep an eye on what you told the media? I mean, that's the whole fucking point of the exercise. For both the commissioner and the minister to be out of the loop is a pretty big blunder, I'd have thought. Of course, unless your aim was to make Border Force sound like some sort of tough guys, you know, watch out, you illegal immigrants, Border Force will stop you. In which case, maybe the press release was a deliberate message and everyone involved was so out of touch with public sentiment on these issues, uh, and perhaps the law, that they thought, this is what you can do. I mean, either way you look at this, it's a cock-up of porn star proportions. With Australian Border Force, we've dumped an immigration process which seemed to be working just fine and treated migrants as people who wanted to settle here and as people with families and an identity of their own. And instead, we've created a new mob with uniforms and guns and a big dollop of incompetence, indoctrinated with the idea that migrants are the enemy. What could possibly go wrong? Hello, I'm Stilgarian. Welcome to The Edict. (laughs) 
One of three words. Number three. Yes, one of three words. This is a game where people who have supported the 9pm urgent hardware refresh by uh, contributing a small amount of money to the proceedings, the foot soldiers for media freedom, as I have dubbed them, uh, each of them have nominated a word, and uh, I will choose three of those words at random and improvise upon that theme for 60 seconds. So that's how it works. And uh, uh, again, you're going to have to take um, uh, my word for this, the bedpan of whatever it was uh, I don't have with me this time. So I'm putting the... um, uh, I'm putting the words into the crystal vase of transparency there. And giving it a bit of a shake and... and oh, fuck, my hand's... <laughs> uh, okay, okay, I can't actually reach into that. Um, uh, ah, here we go. The coffee cup of perpetual vigilance. Okay, pour uh, the words into that. Give them a bit of a stir. And our three words are... Horned, suggested by Wade Bomer. And then... Rasputin, suggested by Katrina Setti. Uh, and finally... Impact, suggested by someone whose name cannot be found right now, don't question me. Yes, this podcast is a prime example of organisational efficiency to be modelled by administrations around the world. Our three words are horned, that is, having horns, Rasputin, and impact. Okay, 60 seconds on the clock and go. I was actually listening to a, a podcast about Rasputin a few weeks ago and I hadn't realised the impact that he had upon uh, the Tsarina in particular uh, in, in those final stages of uh, Imperial Russia. Uh, she had been rumoured uh, to be having an affair with him. I find that doubtful, although Rasputin was renowned for his uh, sexual adventures. Well, actually, he kind of just grabbed women off the street and was, uh, shall we say, a little unreconstructed in his views. Um, But uh, yes, uh, the Tsarina would listen to pretty much anything he said based her decisions on this strange chap called Rasputin. He took so long to be killed when they eventually killed him. They wondered, is he the horned one? I wonder. Uh, Is that close enough to 60 seconds? I think it was. Thank you for your words. More in a bit. I said earlier that I wanted to come back to the clarifying statement by the Australian Border Force. And I'll do that now because I wanted to highlight this bit. To be clear, the ABF does not and will not stop people at random in the streets. And then this bit. The ABF does not target on the basis of race, religion or ethnicity. Okay, it's not on race, religion or ethnicity. But it's not random either, which would kind of be at least a fair process like they do with the explosive screenings uh, at airports. They just choose, you know, the the third next male to come along or whatever it is. 
there must be some sort of criteria. But of course, what it is, is that these people are handed to them by the police or whoever is doing the the other part of the operation. So it it leaves this kind of window open for the other organisation to do the profiling and Australian Border Force to kind of wash its whole hands of it, saying, well, we didn't select the people, we were just asked to look them up. It's a bit disingenuous, don't you think? Casual verbaling. Supporters of this podcast who rate as B-grade evangelists for media freedom are entitled to a casual verbaling during which I quote them on uh, what they are alleged to have said. Thank you to B-grade evangelist for media freedom, Peter Wickens, who has an blog in which he collects, amongst other things, some vastly fucked up and bad jokes such as this one happy friday i didn't know my dad was a construction site thief but when i got home all the signs were there or how do you find a princess you follow the footprints little pun thing there peter pretty pretty shitty but thank you for your support tongue lashings tongue lashings are for a grade evangelists for media freedom alison young it's thank you to you ms a grader She says, probably my Twitter is the source for information about her, though I haven't been terribly active there lately. Well, that is the point, girl. This isn't some game, you know. This is a topical podcast. And by topical, I don't mean that you rub it into your skin like some lotion extracted from the testicles of a virgin fucking tree sloth. I mean topical like up-to-date, current Unlike your Twitter feed, your status as an A-grader is seriously under fucking threat, girl. Lift your game. Did I mention that uh, supporters could choose whether their uh, casual verbalings or tongue lashings were clean, explicit, or the full Malcolm Tucker? Yeah, well, you know now. Thank you also to Stuart Young, who says, Just look at my funding track record of you in the past. I think it speaks volumes for my lack of any sort of judgment. So it should give you plenty to work with too, right, Stuart Young? I mean, that's what makes you an A-grade evangelist for media freedom. Putting your money where your mouth is. Putting your money where someone else's mouth is. Like a $20 blowy from a desperate junkie in a needle-littered back alley. No matter whether there's any joy, any pleasure, any quality whatsoever, no matter what kind of pus is expelled from that mouth, no, that's media freedom there. And Stuart Young is to be congratulated for his utter lack of discrimination. Two minutes hate for Peter Lawler. Well, now we're getting up to the media freedom leaders, of which Peter Lawler is one. For his two minutes hate, he has asked me to talk about, the, and this is a direct quote, the keyword wankers because God damn it, I want to hear you do some Tucker abuse at the pathetic wankers we have to put up with these days. Back when I was a kid, we had proper wankers, not these jumped up wannabes. Get off my lawn, kids. Fuckity, fuckity, fuck, fuck, cunts. Hope you and yours are well. Well, thank you, Peter. And clearly Mark Latham is one of these... Uh, modern-day pathetic wankers of which you speak. He was kicked, uh, he kicked off rather on stage at the Melbourne Writers' Festival the other weekend. People were saying they hoped he got the help he so clearly needed. But no, these days we tend to medicalise good old-fashioned being an irredeemable asshole, and that's what Mark Latham is. You are quite right, Peter Lawler. We had proper wankers in the past, wankers like 
colourful politician Al Grasby, erstwhile Minister for Immigration of the Commonwealth of Australia, and this is what he was about. I don't think there's any question that Al Grasby was significantly corrupt. That's right, former policeman talking to Four Corners in a moving car to make it seem more underground and investigative. Al Grasby was what it was about. When Grasby visited Calabria as Immigration Minister in 1974, he was treated to a hero's welcome. I am aware, while he was the Immigration Minister, there were a number of people who got visas and were able to stay in Australia who were of highly questionable character, and I think any reasonable look at them would raise questions about why was that done if it wasn't done for corrupt purposes. His attempts after the Donald Mackay murder to move the blame away from the real killers and make suggestions that uh, Donald Mackay's wife and others were involved in the murder was disgraceful and I don't think any man with any sort of decency could justify that. That's exactly right. Mark Latham is just a disoriented dickhead with a chip on his shoulder and a trilobite-level understanding of human society. Al Grasby, on the other hand, put his wankery to good use, sorting out dodgy visas for the mafia and trying to cover up a murder. Skills which so outclass Mark punch on Latham's that they leave Latham as overshadowed as Santa Claus's testicles. Thank you, Peter Lawler. Elephant stamp time! Elephant stamp time. Each episode of this podcast, I give elephant stamps of approval to people who have been exceptional in the category of thinking. And I'd like to give give out just one elephant stamp on this particular occasion to the Prime Minister of the Commonwealth of Australia, Tony Crusader Rabbit Abbott, MP for his response so far to the refugee crisis that's hitting Europe. He was first asked about this, as I understand, or at least significantly asked about this, at a press conference in Hobart yesterday, on Saturday. Here is the question and answer. Would you consider reopening, um, say, the Pontville Detention Centre and other detention centres in a similar way we did with the Kosovar refugees in the late 90s? Well, we don't want to have a detention centre-led economy. Uh, We want to have a business-led economy. We want to have a confidence-led economy. And the great thing about what the government has been doing for small businesses right around Australia in the wake of the budget is that confidence uh, is high. Fucking genius! Isn't it? I mean, he's managed to take a question about refugees and turn it into an answer about business confidence. There's a kind of, you can hear a a whole kind of chain of word association going on there. But what the fuck is a detention centre-led economy? Clearly, Abbott's brain works in such a way that how you handle refugees is you put them in detention centres. There's no other way, is there, right? You just put them in detention centres. And and that's, that's all he can think of. Now, that was yesterday. So today he needed to sort of come back and really kind of fix up that bit of arse hattery. So he held a press conference this afternoon. Now, 
here's where he gets to the guts of it. Australia is a country which has always taken its international obligations seriously. Well, except for when they relate to the speedy and just handling of people's refugee claims, but uh, we'll deal with that another time. Australia is a country which has always done what we can uh, to assist when people are in trouble around the world, and we certainly are not going to change our character now. So... uh, I have asked the Immigration Minister, Peter Dutton, to go urgently to Geneva to talk to the UN High Commissioner for Refugees on what more Australia can do to assist uh, on the migration crisis that is being driven by the problems in the Middle East. Right, so they're sending Cabbage Boy to Geneva. They'll be thrilled to get that assistance. What else? Um, We are disposed to take more people from that troubled region under our refugee and humanitarian program and we are open to providing more financial assistance to the UNHCR uh, in the weeks and months ahead. Well that didn't sound actually very concrete did it? So what's the precise detail on this? Uh, We last year took about 30% of uh, our 13,000 from that region Um, That's what we did last year. Uh, As you know, uh, over the next couple of years, the numbers that we take will go up to 18,000. And we can only do this because of the success we've already had in stopping the boats. Previously, it was the people smugglers who were determining uh, the composition of our refugee and humanitarian intake. Now it's the Australian government. But obviously, because of our success in stopping the boats, we are in a position... We are in a position... Uh, to take more from a region under great stress, from a part of the world where minorities in particular are under deadly threat, uh, both uh, from the death cult. Oh, Jesus, we've had both the death cult and stop the boats already, and he hasn't actually explained the point, which I'll skip to now. There's no actual change to the plan for refugee numbers to be settled in Australia. He's basically proposing that they increase the proportion uh, from Syria in the affected region, which means other people miss out. That's Australian generosity for you. Oh, except we've got, we're going to give Peter Dutton to the world. So there's a bonus. Thanks, Abbott. Elephant stamp to you. Two Minutes Hate for Mick Fong. For who? For Mick Fong. Mick Fong, you dozy bint of a computer. Sorry about that, Mick. Media freedom leader Mick Fong asks, why the fuck do the TV news not provide a geographically correct map? I.e., the map is fucking crooked. Perth is not at the same latitude as Melbourne. It is, in fact, further north than Sydney. Straighten the fuck up. Why indeed, Mick, why indeed does this happen? I've seen these maps and they're a disgrace. Now, the simple explanation would be that television executives and indeed everyone involved with television cares about little else but their own overly primped visage as portrayed 
in the black mirror. There's nothing else for them. They've got egos the size of fucking Jupiter, these television people, and they really don't give a flying fuck that the maps on screen are more bent than an arthritic drag queen in a sling being sodomised simultaneously by 15 double-pricked rent boys on crystal meth while every single one of the fuckers involved is singing selections from My Fair Lady in falsetto. But the real answer... Mick, is it? I just don't know. I just don't know. And now, as Nicholas Fryer made clear last time, his segment in this podcast has a name. It is called The Arch Window. I trust that we can now move forward without further difficulties. Two... Gentle Rimmer and Partners, from Winkle, Badger and Felch, Solicitors, 27 August 2015. Dear Sirs, We act for Nicholas Fryer and refer to your letter to our client of 25 August 2015. Please direct all further correspondence in this matter to this firm. We note your demand that our client cease and desist from making any further comments in relation to the matters the subject of his contribution to the podcast produced by your client and distributed via the internet on 23 August 2015, here and after the 23 August edict. That such a demand is overly broad, onerous and an unwarrantable intrusion on our client's rights is obvious, extending as it would to matters including the competence of the current federal government and children's television, as well as our client's determination as to in which of his bodily fluids he is at liberty to lie in the privacy of his own home. To that extent, we consider that your letter warrants no answer, and we proffer none. We construe, however, from the balance of your letter, that the matters particularly exercising your client are the suggestion that our client proposed to make certain observations on the subject of your client's 1. Habits 2. Character traits 3. Table manners 4. Sexual morals 5. Personal hygiene and 6. Dress sense Brackets together the proposed comments, close bracks. We note first that nothing said in the course of the 23 August edict amounted to anything more than a suggestion that our client might make the proposed comments in the future. We confirm that our client has not, in fact, made the proposed comments, other than in private circumstances that could not give rise to any cause of action on your client's behalf. Further, our client made no indication as to whether the proposed comments might be cast in a manner capable of construction as disapprobation. It was, and remains, entirely consistent with our client's statements in the course of the 23 August edict, that the proposed comments, were they to be made, might be wholly complementary towards your client, within, that is, the constraints of our client's conscience, and having regard to certain promises made by him to his mother on her deathbed on the subjects of honesty and personal integrity. Passing on to particulars, your representations in relation to your client's habits and character are noted. We do not propose to address those seriatim, save to point out that your letter did not include sworn statements from any of the diminutive elderly women you assert are indebted to your client for assistance in traffic, nor photographic evidence of the veterinary services he is said to provide to creatures found near his Blue Mountains residence. We are instructed that to our client's personal knowledge, 
Your client's interest in animals, both avian and mammalian, is typically carnivorous in nature, and the surgical services, unquote, provided to those you term his, quote, little woodland friends, is not, usually, of a kind from which any sort of recovery is to be expected. Thank you for the photographs, enclosed with your letter of your client dining. Pausing only to note that they appear rather to support our position as set out above, we deduce that your intention was to demonstrate that your client's deportment at table is consistent with contemporary Western standards in that regard. While we concede that in those pictures your client is apparently holding and using utensils, certain of those utensils are of a kind not usually encountered in the dining room. Others are wholly unfamiliar, with the exception of one that appears to be a miniature replica of a sculpture seen by the writer while on holiday in Paris last year. Further, it is not in our experience common for so many of the meat dishes that might form part of a meal to be prepared in a manner that invites interpretation of their facial expressions. While aware of the risks of anthropomorphizing, in the photograph labelled with the letter C, it is impossible not to see in the eyes of what appears to be a spit-roasted capybara a sad embrace of merciful release after long torment. The expression on your client's face, by contrast, suggests that the capybara is indeed fortunate that it will not be conscious during the events that presumably followed. In relation to your client's sexual morals, we believe that we need do no further than refer you to his own comments in the course of the 23 August edict. During that episode, he expressed an erotic thrill at the prospect of a carnal encounter with a corpse stitched together from a number of different sources, and then ran through a list of ordinary garden fruit and vegetables in a manner that suggested personal familiarity with them, of a kind that the writer would hesitate to claim with his own wife of twenty years. In any event, in order that we might properly advise our client and seek fuller instructions, in relation to photograph E, would you please advise 1. The nature of the powdered substance visible on the exposed parts of the young person on the left of the picture. 2. The connection, if any, between that person and the school uniform, parts of which are obscuring your client's face. And 3 whether the object in your client's right hand is an organic part of the zebra or a variety of prop or prosthesis. On the subject of hygiene, we are returning, unopened, the Petri dish, enclosed with your letter. We note that your letter is silent on the question of your client's dress sense. A decision that we may say, with respect, is the first one in connection with your correspondence with which we wholly concur. We repeat our client's verbal offer to your client that... If your client's television commitments should ever extend to an appearance on camera of a kind other than his accustomed punditry in the style widely referred to as a talking head, our client would be happy to demonstrate to your client the method by which an iron may be applied both to the back of a shirt as well as to the front. Finally, our client declines to give the undertaking sort as to the disposition of the video file to which you refer. Yours faithfully, Winkle, Badger and Felch, per... A badger. Nicholas Fryer can be found at nickfryer.net. He will probably also be back in the next episode of this podcast. There is a chance he'll be accompanied by his kneecaps. One of three words, number four. Right, once more into the coffee cup of perpetual vigilance. The first word is... Bollocks, suggested by Dyke Kennedy. Uh Uh-huh, fair enough. The second word is... Cyber, suggested by Susan Rankin. 
And the third word is... Feynman, the physicist, suggested by Mark Beshe. Rightio. Our three words are bollocks, cyber, and Feynman. Cyber bollocks is a thing. That'd be the easy approach, wouldn't it? But I won't go there. Um, Excuse me. 60 seconds on the clock, starting now. Feynman was, of course, uh, one of the greatest physicists of the 20th century and a great um, debunker of things which needed debunking. Uh, He worked, uh, for example, on uh, the Manhattan Project, the highly secret project to create uh, America's first atomic weapons during the Second World War. And he was continually trying to point out just stupid security breaches. You know, classified documents were meant to be kept within safes, uh, locked up, and he would continually be breaking in and uh, doing things and liberating the, uh, the classified documents to show that all of their security procedures were, in fact, bollocks. And I would like to think that in the 21st century, Feynman would have been that same kind of hacker turning to the the cyber realm and uh, demonstrating how much of our cyber defences were in fact cyber bollocks. There you go. There will be further uh, games of uh, one in three words in future episodes. Two minutes hate for Jonathan Ferguson. Media freedom leader Jonathan Ferguson has nominated as his topic for a two minutes hate the song I Want Your Love by Transvision Vamp and how it has sculpted Australian society to date. Obviously, we need to listen. It goes on like that for quite a while. I think the lyrics are more important than the tune. Let's examine them in detail. I don't want your money, honey. I want your love. I don't want your car, baby. I want your... Ah! Now, at this point, even the dimmest of you should be starting to realise that the word love is really being used euphemistically here. They mean porking. Actual in-and-outy stuff. Doesn't want the money, she just wants to go straight for the thrust and shove of a good bit of fucking. The lyrics continue. I don't need your friends, they don't need a mention. I just want your love and all of your attention. So she's a greedy woman, this woman. She just wants continual penis action. I don't want your money, I want your love, I don't want your car, I want your ah, I want your, your love. So we have this repetition theme coming in. If we look at the societal impact already, it could be that nothing fucking changes, does it? All that happens is continual sex, continual fucking things up. Aha, and there is how it's sculpted Australian society to date. I don't want your books on Marilyn or Bobby D. I don't want your records, your pictures or anything. I want your funky love. The song continues for quite some time in this vein 
and then it ends. This says less, really, about uh, the sculpting of Australian society than it does about Jonathan Ferguson's own worldview. I don't think we need to say any more, do we? Well, that's the edict for now. There's links to some of the things I mentioned on the podcast webpage. You can also leave a comment there by typing some words. Even better, you can leave an audio comment. Not that anyone does, but you'll find the instructions there and you can read them and, and nod sagely and think, oh, yes, I must do a comment one day soon, but you never will. Further casual verbalings and tongue lashings and two minutes hate will continue to appear. The next episode of the 9pm Edict will appear next Sunday, the 13th of September. Actually, this bit is quite important. The next episode will be the 9pm Edict's Public House Forum. We're actually recording the episode uh, in front of a live audience next Saturday, the 12th of September, are in Penrith in the western suburbs of New South Wales at the Australian Arms Hotel. There's still some spots left for that uh, studio audience. Studio audience, it's in the pub. Uh, the, the, tic- the tickets are free, but you do need to book. Go to publichouseforum1.eventbrite.com It's on the website, in case that's not entirely clear. Uh, Go for some of the tickets that are left, and that page explains everything that's happening. Uh, If you're in or near Sydney or can travel to it, it'd be great uh, for you to come along. I'm still Gerian. See you then. The 9pm Edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry, portions of this podcast which did not affect the final outcome have been fabricated.